1: in contact take a look at this I found this in every crevice of my
2: body all over everywhere.
1: okay then in your work have you come across any evidence that lends support to the existence of this creature they call big blue see this is what always happens this is how it starts what Deflection, sleight of hand. See, whenever an issue requires any real thought, any serious mental effort, people turn to UFOs and sea serpents and Sasquatch. Afternoon talk shows and tabloid TV, they reduced our attention span to the length of a sound bite so that soon our ability to think will be as extinct as the Ranus frog. I'll take that. My whole life is gone. Uh,. There's strangers living in my house.
2: Lois, my wife, I don't know where she is now. Uh, Neighbors, they don't know who I am anymore.
1: Scully, since we've been away, much of the unexplained has been explained. The Death Valley racetrack, turns out it was just ice formations, moving the rocks around as it melted. Yeah, ice. Humility prevents me from recounting how I once thought it had something to do with a series of mysterious sightings of a rock-like creature in Colorado, which turned out to be just a publicity stunt by a local landscaping business. It's amazing going through these archives with fresh, if not wiser eyes, how many of these cases, whether it's the Amarillo Armadillo Man or the Harry What's of Walla Walla, can be explained away as fraternity pranks, practical jokes, or People making stuff up simply because they're bored and or crazy. And if that doesn't explain it, well, then it was probably just ice.
2: What are you
0: Ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy slash one-on-one podcast slash uh, Paranoid American <laughs> uh, Radio Hour <laughs> uh actually you are the co-host of a podcast thomas tell us about your podcast because I, I i don't think i've had you on my show since you you've started this
2: uh i mean it was it just started as a book review club that me and juan were throwing an idea around but yeah it's it's the occult uh it's occultbookclub.com and uh, it'll just bring you to a YouTube playlist but we've just been going through pretty much Open source texts that have been, you know, released in 1800s and early 1900s. And uh, if you want one in particular, my, one of my favorites is the Paul Benjamin Blood series, which <laughs> is a guy that got uh, really stoned, basically on nitrous when he got his tooth removed uh, in the in the late 1800s, and he he claimed that. As he was coming down off nitrous, for the first time in his life, he was under. He was able to understand all of Hegel's uh, <laughs> writing, like Hegelian philosophy. He just understood it because of this nitrous effect. And for the literally the next thirty years of his life, and he was like thirty years old this time. For the next thirty years of his life, he dedicated to just getting high off nitrous and trying to decipher like all the philosophy he could to get his hands on, and oh. trying to sort of like put it in layman's terms. He didn't do a great job at that part, but uh, it was a valiant effort.
0: Interesting. Well, we're already off to the races here. I hope we could get back to that and maybe talk about some of the interesting books you guys have covered in 2022. It's been an interesting year. Uh, Juan and I started a podcast that is now defunct called the Illuminati Confirmed Podcast. Uh, Juan, for those deaf Uh, mute and blind, who have not seen you somehow on my podcast yet. Uh, Can you please introduce yourself and your show?
3: Juan from the Juan Juan podcast. I cover anything I deem interesting, mostly the occult, magic, alchemy, etc. And yeah, I do have a show with Paranoid American here. And that particular episode hurt my my sack reading that actually, because a lot of these texts are old right? It's over a hundred years old. So the language that they use, it just hurt my brain reading it. But can you imagine going to the dentist and having this epiphany of a moment when you're peaking on nitrous, that you're able to understand all the most complex philosophical ideas that have ever existed at that one peak. And then it all goes away. And then you chase that same high for the rest of your life. So this dude came out with that book when he first was like 30 years old. And then he's like seventy or something, writing at the end of his life another book about what he chased all those years. And there's like people writing into him and all this stuff. So, yeah, that that particular episode really hurt my my brain. But yeah, my yeah. again, I talk about anything I deem interesting and and
0: yeah, it hurts your brain and your sack. I've never heard mm-hmm. someone can conflate <laughs> con those two. As above, you- so below. Right. OK. Well, and, and, <laughs> yeah. People who are familiar with this podcast should know the both of you. Actually, uh, Thomas appeared on my show far before you ever did Juan Thomas was on episode 44. Of Thomas my- is a sigh I, off. You, you broke my cherry. Yeah, that was that was like a, a sort of radio-style interview. I called you up on my phone, and I had some other co-hosts with me. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's cool to be here uh 2022. I know you're going to be putting this on uh, your feed as well, Juan. So shout out to all the listeners over there. But this is 2022 wrapped. I, I had Donut on. We did a little bit of uh, wrap-up. But I wanted to have you both on to talk about not only some of the guests we've interviewed and some of the books that we've looked into, but uh, maybe even what's to come next. I got a new book. You want to see it? Yeah, sure. That's what's to come next right now. I meant more uh, 2023. I'm not one for predictions, but uh, that is the atmosphere that we're in. People love to make predictions. Ooh, Stairway to Heaven by Peter Levenda, Chinese alchemist, Jewish Kabbalist and the Art of Spiritual transformation
2: i am a sucker for lavenda
0: yeah i recently got three lavenda books i got the first two of his sinister forces series and then i got um this book that's right over here the secret temple mm-hmm. mason's mysteries and the founding of america so getting ready to dig into those very soon but you know peter lavenda is important for me because he was the guy who I first heard mention John Winthrop the Younger. It was during his interview, one of his interviews on the Higher Side Chats, and he said, oh, yeah, a lot of people don't know uh, one of the governors of Connecticut was an alchemist, and he wasn't very clear about that. And being from Connecticut, I heard that, and I was like, whoa, what? So I immediately went to Wikipedia. I looked up the governors of Connecticut, and I looked up the governors of the state of Connecticut, not the colony of Connecticut. So I wasn't able to find initially who he was talking about it was only a couple of years later uh, at the beginning of 2022 when i put the pieces together and i was like oh this is john winthrop the younger who he was talking about the first colonial governor of connecticut so he was interesting uh, older than you know the state of connecticut but yeah he was an alchemist kicking around in the same area that i currently live and that was a big shock because you know to
2: what extent was he an alchemist
0: well, he was a member of the Royal Society. He was somewhat of an inventor, but more of a, on the philosophical side of alchemy rather than like the experimentation mm. side of things. But he was obsessed with uh, finding silver in Connecticut. That's, that was one of his obsessions while he was over here and he was trying to do some kind of work with the silver. But a lot of the alchemists around him were concerned with like medical alchemy and how these minerals could be used for health, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were beyond the occult and philosophical alchemy and more towards like the Paracelsian practical applications of it, you know, or at least attempting to find practical applications of it.
3: One thing I found out recently, and Thomas might be familiar with it because obviously I do cover a lot of Florida history, is the Quarishanity, the Quarishans over here in... I forgot what part of Florida it is. It was a cult, and the guy was electrocuted. He had a vision, this divine feminine figure that came to him. He was convinced he was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ and the new Messiah. But he, the reason that he was doing these experiments was because he was an alchemist. And I recently came across one of the books that he read because uh, that he wrote because they were talking about concave earth like that was their whole thing that the sun and the stars and everything is encapsulated in a ball in the center and the earth is like a clamshell we're actually on the inside of it don't laugh Thomas I know you're about to laugh bro but point being this dude was an alchemist and they were trying to birth a homunculus dude so in Florida they were trying to birth this homunculus and I have one of his books that he wrote he wrote two books and this dude was beaten to death, bro. So this dude was beaten to death, and then he was put in a bathtub at the at the compound. And they were like, "All right, we're gonna wait this out because he's gonna come back. He's gonna be resurrected." And the dude started to like decompose, and the, the authorities had to step in. They're like, "All right, we gotta we gotta get this guy out this bathtub. And he started to stink up the place." But yeah, really interesting. No, no, just
0: one more day, I swear the this <laughs> is coming. Just one more day, guys.
3: <laughs> yeah, bro, so wild.
0: It's so weird. Also, I'm starting to notice a pattern that most sentences one uh, finishes (laughs) with the word homunculus, or his paragraphs, you know, start getting him wound up and he's going to conclude with homunculus somehow. I Uh, love the the different
2: uh, shapes of the earth. It reminds me of like the early 2000s dot com bubble where like everyone was trying (laughs) to buy every name. Like you could just go through the dictionary and people were just buying, you know, like word.com going through every latin word i kind of feel there was a a certain point in time when everyone was like no it's a clamshell earth no it's pear-shaped no it's it's peach and like everyone just wanted to be the first one to claim like a certain shape yeah so i could be like i was the first one that said it was a cube you know i I got it first
0: it's a turtle shell no it's a teacup no yeah i hear you well on the point of homunculus, one, uh, it seems like 2022 was your year of the homunculus. I mean, can you trace back the first uh, thought or idea that led you to getting into this? Like, Was it something in 2022 that uh, inspired this, like a news story or a book you found, a, a guest you had on your show? How, how did this start?
3: It was actually for an episode of the Occult Book Club where we were covering... Manly P. Hall, the all-seeing eye, and coincidentally enough, even Daddy Manly P. Hall wrote about homunculi, and he wrote about a famous account that's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the Genes biggest...
0: Book? Is that is that a competing book made by genies? The Guinness Gen- Book? <laughs> listen, English Genes
3: is not my first language, <laughs> all right? So I'll read comments of people saying how I pronounce certain things, I, my no, first language is, was Spanish, you're so if you're, than most, I sure. feel targeted. I am a minority, and you are targeting me. So, no, yeah, you're good.
0: You're the, good compared to others. I how do, I've how
3: heard. do you say it, Guinness? Guinness, Guinness.
0: Like the beer. Guinness, like, like the beer. It's literally oh, the beer. Guinness, yeah.
3: whatever. Who it's cares? The same, it's the same beer same company. company. Yeah. Anyways, Guinness <laughs> has a world record for the biggest homunculus in their in their record.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa! I feel like big homunculus is a little bit of uh, oxymoron. <laughs> like at a certain point, it's like yo, baby, like lady, you just had a regular kid. You're not allowed to call that homunculus.
3: <laughs> Again, look it up. So I was, we were doing research on that, and I came across one of his sto- the story of this famous count and how he made one, and I think uh, I think he was working with. I want to say Thomas Aquinas. I'm not sure if it was Thomas Aquinas or who it was, but anyways, they were working together. This is 18th century, 17th century, one of those. And I came across what Thomas that was. Aquinas, Aqu- Aqu- Aquinas. It's A Q U like from the Bible. No, 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 no. This is a this was an alchemist, theologian guy. There's somebody sure else.
0: Thomas of Aquinas was a figure from the Bible. I could be wrong, but there's a whole group of people that follow his teachings so he was a
3: philosopher italian dominican friar, and priest who was an influential philosopher theologian yeah so this is a i'm talking yeah i'm talking about somebody else uh i don't know about the guy in the bible but i mean i wouldn't doubt it so i came across that and then i came across the book of the cow which that was a whole rabbit hole so we ended up doing a piece on that and that was when the whole idea was born and then Paranoid American had some books on Paracelsus and that whole thing. And I kind of don't like being known as the homunculus guy, but I guess, right, you, whatever sticks. Someone's
2: got to do it, man. It, you know what? I feel like the three <laughs> of us uh, in in our own different ways, but sometimes it feels like, like dirty jobs of the conspiracy theory world. You know, like Mike Rowe goes in and he does... Uh, gets like the first-hand experience and the research to show you how like the full job works but you just get to see the end product like the nice consumable Mm. prepackaged corn chips you know what I mean Uh, but like we kind of do that dirty jobs part where we go and we slog through 800 pages of like really rough like you know no salt no seasoning sort of like ancient texts and then just kind of try to come up with some interesting tidbits and hopefully not just kind of regurgitating them Yeah, I'm still recording. Uh, We're we're running the show now?
3: Yeah, I guess so. So welcome to another episode (laughs) of the 101 Podcast. Mark has left the building, but here we are to give you a spicy episode. So we've had had artists drop us (laughs) from the stuff that they started looking into, the stuff that we're looking into, and they're just like, you know what? Our values do not align. Our core values don't align. So let's go ahead and just drop it and... It is what it is, but yeah, dude, I feel you on that. It, but it's like to touch on what Mark was saying about these guys that say that we're just conspiratainment and we're not really doing anything. But at the end of the day, what can you really do if there is a lizard cabal running things? What are you supposed to do? Is there anything that you can't even do? If
2: well, I mean, it, one of the things that that's really... Kind of hit me on top of the head this year and i'm about to turn 40 next year so and this year most of the research i've been doing has been trying to go back to like 1400s 1500s 16 and just find like all these things that we kind of assume are connections i'm trying to actually find the exact connections were these people um actually in the same places Did they actually have influence on each other Mm. any kind of documented versions of this or is there any written correspondence um, and then one of the things that's kind of really hit me is that the difference between, say, like when your grandparents were born, right? Grand, like my grandpa, I think, was born in 1920 or something. I and mean, he died recently. Um, but I mean, like from from right now, 2020, back to 1920, 100 years. I mean, just take that chunk from me and my grandpa. Right. So when my grandpa was talking to his grandpa, that dude was born in the 1820s. And then when he was talking to his grandpa, 1720s and when we start getting into the 1720s like we're talking about what we consider almost ancient history and alchemy and you know sort of like Templar um, lore is still kind of active so it's just kind of creating you know like the founding of America the founding of the Bavarian Illuminati so
0: (laughs) oh man I dropped out there you guys can hear me right I'm back yeah you're
2: good All right,
0: I don't sound too bad right I'm on my phone now
2: what are they They trying to take you out
0: yeah i think my internet uh bill isn't paid so they're trying to take me out either that or <laughs> the connection is down <laughs> uh, i don't know i'm gonna take blame but uh, who knows maybe it's the cia but you were saying something about you feel like the three of us are all kind of covering uh homunculus in a, in a different way is that <laughs> what you were gonna say thomas i miss i miss uh,
2: yeah oh yeah right when you cut off i was just saying that the the material that we're kind of slogging through uh we're trying to point out things that other people haven't caught yet uh not just kind of regurgitating the same analysis mm-hmm. you know like actually go to right. that little footnote and see where it says oh this was referenced in this text from 1438 and it's only in latin and then pulling that book up and then actually doing some kind of ai translation and reading it for yourself and retranslating it because sometimes this like little clip or this little quote will just make itself and just echo and echo and echo and people keep repeating it and then if you find what like the next four words were after that quote all of a sudden it changes the context Mm -hmm. or they say something even more interesting right after it so that to me that's the the fun part but also kind of the most interesting because now when it's reading it it's like wow i can't believe no one's ever caught these connections before and that's i don't know that in itself i think is is way beyond entertainment i mean that's contributing research to the world, that's going to persist.
0: Well, and I agree. I'm glad you you see it that way. I do too. I think, you know, big part of my foray into uh, podcasting was synchromysticism. I mean, everything that's occurred in my life since I quit my job as delivery guy has been synchromystic. My girlfriend and I uh, starting our relationship, she sees the world through a similar lens of synchromysticism. And, you know, before I I started dating her, I went on this kind of journey down to Washington, D.C. I dropped someone off at the Dulles Airport and, and <laughs> came back through D.C. You know during the height of the pandemic and drove along the, the Susquehanna River, which later uh, I became friends with Michael Wan, the Susquehanna alchemist. And he and I uh, hung out several times. My girlfriend and I have gone and visited him. So it's very synchronistic. And to, to bring it to the homunculus, around the same time you started talking about the homunculus and whatnot, not, I interviewed for the first time a guy who's very famous uh, and very controversial in the conspiracy community, maybe more controversial than he is famous, uh, Michael Hoffman, who in his book, uh, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, along with James Shelby Downard, poses the theory that the uh, Dumbo uh, cylinder that was located near the Trinity blast site was in fact a, a metallic homunculi. So, you know, it's just interesting that, you know, here's this, this kind of revolutionary for his time conspiracy theorist, Michael Hoffman, along with the, you know, proto- conspiracy uh whack job kind of archetype that is james shelby downard who,
2: who by the way was my original inspiration for even starting doing comic really? books i never would have started comic books if i hadn't i at the exact time i was reading um uh, james shelby downard's memoir can't remember what the it name of it's like uh devils of the carnival or Life. oh and no Death, I, yeah the it's, carnival. It's, the,
0: it's the uh oh i have it right here it's but i was carnival i was reading that book
2: I was reading um, the book about the uh, creature from Jekyll Island. And I was also reading the Invisibles, uh, the comic book series, all three of those at the same time. And I just, yeah, that's the one right there. This book, actually, there's a story about Alexander Graham Bell and a guy named Cock Robin and they get into like a fight or something. And like Cock Robin (laughs) is like this cuck that the Jekyll Island hunt club, like hires this dude to just come and, be naked i guess right like you know it's a typical james shelby downard where they don't c- quite explain all the details it's just like yeah and then i walked into the room and alexander Graham Bell was naked and fighting this guy named cock robin and you know and the next day cock robin was gone and, and it, like he just kind of skips those beats and it's like hold on a second Did you just say Alexander Graham Bell was stark naked in Jekyll Island? So first I was, I thought it was just like a silly thing. So I look it up and sure enough, man, the first thing I found was there was a book on nudism from the early uh, 20th century in the early 1900s. And it cites all the famous nudists of the time. And Alexander Graham Bell was one of like the main names that was like, hey, here's some famous people that are nudists and wow. so it it just threw me down this rabbit hole of man how much of this crazy stuff that sounds ridiculous mm-hmm. is 100 percent true uh and you know and, and it was like if i put this in a comic people might actually give it more credit than if i just put it in a book because you read it in a book and you're like that's silly that can't happen so now all of a sudden if it's in a comic book you pay a little bit more attention and it's like hey this is actually based on a true story even though i know you won't believe it
0: well and and it's um I didn't know that. I'm really glad you told me that. It's funny you you have that inspiration there, because I think, you know, some people who uh, examine James Shelby Downer, they kind of theorize that maybe he was a fictional creation mm. by hoffman and some other people i think hoffman would disagree with that he, i asked him flat out i think and he he said no james shelby downer was a real man i'm friend. i was friends with him. Uh i will say though you know hoffman has several pictures of himself and and people that he's friends with or knew throughout the years on his website none of which are james shelby downer so that's that's would-
2: i've never heard that theory i actually love that theory
0: yeah Cause, so because
2: so- because that means that if even if he let's assume he was real person, James Shelby Downard might have been such a proto conspiracy theorist that he himself ceases to be a physical entity anymore and then just <laughs> converted into an actual conspiracy theory. <laughs> Yeah. Like that would be the ultimate goal of any hardcore conspiracy theorist. So to no exist way, yeah.
3: outside of space and time.
2: Like, like if we're talking and, and Juan, you just make the ultimate connection on homunculus and then just poof, you're just like a homunculus. Well, that's
3: eventually. that's alchemy. One of the magnum opus of uh, of alchemy is once you do the the magnum opus, the great work, you literally cease to you cease to exist because the alchemical reaction, the light that you absorb from this reaction that's going on. It, it it's absorbed into your DNA and it reconstructs your DNA to where you're able to step outside of reality. So by you saying that, it sounds crazy, but maybe not so much because that's literally what they chase in I, alchemy. Wait, I,
2: I wish I could remember. the, the It might be Peter Lavenda. I don't want to misquote this, but the, the quote is something like, was it the JFK assassination a particle or a wave? Uh, and it makes me think, I think it was in a Sinister Forces, but it makes me think like maybe... Finding out who killed JFK is like a portal to you know another universe. Like James Shelby Downard finds out who actually kills JFK, and just like finding the ineffable name of God, Mm -hmm. once you see it or speak it out loud, you are just transported out of this reality. That's what
3: I mean. This is what this is all about: stairway to (laughs) heaven, about different uh, different myths of ascension and what you are supposed to do, and what these different. Because we were talking, I did an episode on the the Nor- polaris right and this whole thing of why the big dipper and the little dipper and you have it in all these some symbolism and these secret societies well what if it is some sort of gateway but you have to connect certain type of dots you're saying and i love that dude that the
0: whole jfk thing that's crazy Well, you know, I mean, the whole idea of the killing of the king and and JFK being this Camelot figure, Arthurian kind of, he's the first Catholic president. He's got an Irish sort of lineage in in his name, Kennedy. I mean, even the word Kennedy uh, goes back to kill Kennedy, which I think is like a a term in uh, Gaelic that means like head wound or something like that. So there is so much different uh aspects to it that show that there's some sort of masonic or alchemical uh ritual at play and and i would argue that the masons would love to think that, that they've created a portal and, and and they would love to uh, no well not the masons but the, these you know they're a stand in for for whatever body is hiding behind that cloak uh but you get what i'm saying where they would they would love the the notion that we conspiracy theorists think that they've created a a tetragrammaton stand in you know in the modern world i think we're giving them too much credit um but i think that's because conspiracy theory is a part of the symptom of this ritual like it's it's a symptom of this ritual and i wonder what you guys think about you know michael hoffman's thoughts on conspiracy theorists kind of just being these like conspiratainment puppets who are just no different than the pundits who talk about the mainstream talking points like we're furthering that same agenda maybe not us we the three of us here but you know the average conspiracy theorist who maybe isn't doing the original source research that the three of us like to do um you know they're kind of they're kind of playing into that agenda. Do you think? I, I think so? it's
2: a little gatekeeper It's a little bit. It's a little bit fart. Like you know, like enjoying the smell of your own farts, but nobody else's. There's a little bit of an air to entitlement it just because. Because yeah. I I really firmly believe that today's conspiracy theories are the best equivalent that we've got to you know old school mythology. Because right now we all kind of feel like we're way too smart to believe that there's an actual Zeus that's throwing lightning bolts down on the ground. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people kind of look back at that older pig in an early monotheistic, like literal sense uh, outside, you know, some some groups that they believe, you know, full out. But I think that like now a lot of people feel more secular and more scientific. Mm-hmm. So uh, conspiracy theories, though, kind of takes a little bit of that load off. Like this is where you get to sort of fantasize and kind of imagine different things that are happening and putting pieces together kind of the same way that like those original peoples were trying to explain nature. But now we feel like we've got nature figured out. So a mythology kind of inherently denotes explaining nature right but once you've defined nature in so many terms what do you move on to so again conspiracy theories fills that role because now it talks about how does culture evolve how does psychology philosophy politics Mm -hmm. and if you if you assume anything other than what you were taught in school or what you can just find off the bookshelf then you're technically a conspiracy theorist if you if you know your mom and your dad planning your surprise party is a conspiracy (laughs) Uh, but also if two people meet in the room and they're like, I think you should be president. We're going to make you president. And that happens. That's also a conspiracy. Mm. And to pretend that none of that actually happens uh, is just a little bit crazy. So right. I mean, I think even if there is, let's 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 take his criticism at face value and just talk about like a TikTok video that's just bl- calling everyone in the Illuminati with like funny sound effects. That's still perpetuating the same kind of mythology of conspiracy theory that maybe is in 200, 300 years the same way we might look into the origin of like a god's name and the origin of like your state's name. Yeah. And like, right. oh wow, it was named after these Indians. Oh wow, well, actually, the Indians built on top of this mound, and then you find out about the mound builders. Like, there might be people hundreds of years that hear that silly oh, Jay Z's the Illuminati, but that's going to be their gateway into figuring out that there was an actual Bavarian Illuminati in 1776. <laughs> so, I I love the idea that like. The the concepts and the names are perpetuating. I don't like that it's dressed in you know TikTok-y sort of yes. surface level stuff, but it feels it just feels too gatekeeping well, to like criticize Hoffman, it too
0: much. Hoffman calls that the theater uh, or the spectacle of carnage or the theater of uh, of uh, what is the other word he uses very you know well well po- poignant and well said when he puts it. The way he I mean does. not
2: everyone can be stoic, right? <laughs> yeah. But also
0: you have to take into account cuz I really like the way that you're
3: tackling it Thomas and I sent Thomas the his one of his latest episodes so he knows exactly what we're talking about when it
0: Oh yeah yeah. When oh, it by comes the way, to, I'm I'm partly responsible for Hoffman starting the podcast, I should say that. <laughs> on the air, he uh he conferred with me on how podcasts were created. I basically taught him how to do the podcast thing. So, I uh, take a little credit for <laughs> unleashing Hoffman into the podcast.
3: Unleashing a beast. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that it's going back to the cuz this whole thing of oh chasing down original sources and all this stuff. Well, a lot of the original sources for old mythology that all oh, that's been gone for ages and we take that for what it is, right? We take people's word for it. So, and I, when you dropped out, Mark, I was talking to Thomas about what could we possibly do about some lizard cabal that's running everything at the White House or whatever it is. Like, what could we realistically do? Uh, you know, because these guys act like we have this crazy capability of actually doing something about it because they'll sit there and they'll criticize like, oh, you guys aren't really doing much. You guys are just talking about it. It's like, well, what what have you done Right. Other than in your time, you did what you did and you talked about what you talked about in your time. But, you know, things evolve and things change. And what could you really possibly do other than without inciting violence or doing anything out of the ordinary to actually bring forth a change? What are you able to do? And that's what I want to I want an answer to. Like, what are you physically able to do without demeaning anybody or hurting anybody?
0: We're doing it right now. We're talking about it. I think that's how things change is. Reform happens when ideas Get spread and at first new ideas Are suppressed because they go against The grain and then they get integrated And you know it's like what happened to The secret societies in the colleges They all got like overturned By the 70s Woke liberal feminist uh, Movements that you know said Oh you have to let women into these groups Oh you have to let minorities into these groups Which everybody agrees with like yeah Let women and all different types Of uh, people be a part of these. Groups, but you know, when that happened, a lot of those secret societies kind of uh, shifted towards the corporate sphere. But mm. I think when we're talking about these like uh, ideas, there is a level to it where solutions are far afield and people are sort of sucked into this depression and cynicism. And, you know, I, I'll say just from our conversations, one, you know, you, you tend to lean towards nihilism. I think that's probably because you have a family and young kids. I mean, it's probably easier for someone like me to be optimistic considering I don't have children and I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm in a relationship, that's that's all my commitments are to the the physical world, right? So uh, it may be that, but I do think that as human beings, as beings with souls, we have an imperative to push a change towards the better, right? I think there's like a soul instinct in human beings to to make a positive change, right? That can't be that can never be defeated. Like that's the original will, so to speak. And, uh, and whether or not the audience picks up on that, you know, uh, I think we're kind of pushing that forward in our own unique ways by looking into what we're looking into, not to, you know, blow smoke up our asses or something, but I just think like, when when we get confronted with this black pill uh, theorism of like, yeah, well, you know, the lizard people run the world and we're all fucked. It's like, yeah, that's only true if you stop talking about it, because, you know, these paradigms can be shifted. And even maybe uh, those allegories and metaphors of reptilians are just that, like maybe they're just metaphors and and there aren't really reptilians running the world. Or maybe not. You know, maybe maybe there is some reality to it. I think it works in a double-edged way, where like if you truly believe that reptilians are running the world and you succumb to that fear that that might instill in you, well then you've you've fallen victim to the agenda. Or if you do the converse, where you're like David Ike and you find out all this information about the royals doing all this bloody evil stuff, and you can't, you know, maybe you you can't go out and say it's humans you have to say it's reptilians because that's just fantastical enough for them to not cut your head off long enough for you to keep talking about it long enough for people to realize oh maybe david's not talking about lizard people he's talking mm. metaphorically about this group that believes in this lizard brain thing in this serpent you know who matter. recently
3: said that on an on an, the 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 interview that I did oh, with Jay.
0: Someone said it to me. I can't take credit for that thought. I forget who I... Maybe well, There was... was
2: an entire either Channel oh. 4 BBC documentary that basically was calling Ike an anti-Semite for that exact same reason, where he's <laughs> saying oh, like, he, oh, he's yeah, just yeah. putting the L word in here instead <laughs> of the J word. Right, yeah. Well, I think
0: that's... Yeah, that's definitely like the the danger now with the whole Kanye West. I call it M.A. Ultra, uh, where M.A. is now... Convincing everybody that conspiracy theory is ultimately just Jew hatred and I think that's stupid and obviously none of us have any problems with Jews donut has been on both of our shows he's Jewish I had him on to talk about the Kanye thing because I don't want Michael Hoffman's perspective on that, you know. Donut's my favorite, Joe, actually. Yeah, like I like Hoffman. (laughs) I want to get his perspective, but I also want to get Donut's perspective because I believe in everybody's equal, even if they don't like each other. I, you know, I want to see why people don't agree with each other. And yeah, maybe Kanye West has read some of Hoffman's more concealed work, but, you know, Hoffman himself isn't exactly. Uh, hater either, like he he's after that whole political aspect of uh Zionism. That's that's wasn't that
3: he? Was. Wasn't Kanye quoting this racist comedian that got kicked off Rockfin? I think for saying like having oh, a race. Benjamin wasn't he quoting Owen Benjamin like saying like oh they don't understand him or something like that? And literally the dude was like I wasn't he saying the n word like hard R. N-word and word well, and
0: yeah, a lot of comedians uh, in the edgier, alternative, like com- com- like the the real comedy world, they they're not afraid to say slurs and and be offensive because that's in their mind part of being a real comedian. No, I think that's like, just a facade. That's, well, that's an excuse. What Owen, that's what Owen Benjamin was doing was he's being a comic and saying, "Hey, I'm a comic. I have freedom of speech. I should be able to say something, even if it's offensive." And that got that got. Him canceled because that was at the beginning of the mm-hmm. woke, you know, takeover of media, and uh, so yeah, maybe Kanye heard. Well, I got I got a different theory out. on
2: Kanye, and I'm surprised that I maybe this has come up, but I haven't heard anyone mention yeah. this. But when Alex Jones had lost his lawsuit, right, he made that uh, first video where he just went off the rails. He's like, you know what, I did it. You know, I was the killer. I had the guns. I showed up. I killed those kids. You know, put me in jail. I'm the murderer. Did you guys remember any of that stuff? Yeah, he, yeah. So, and it was like obviously over the top and it was like, you know, pin pin my arms to the cross and lift me up onto the hill sort of a like a monologue speech to kind of like put that the whole thing into like this a satirical perspective. He was working through some stuff, right? So when Kanye gets on, he kind of does the exact same thing but where you know where uh alex took like a hard right turn kanye took a hard left turn and he took it in a completely different angle that even shocked alex jones at that point but it right. it felt like that same andy kaufman performative aspect to it um right. but again you know i've got no i don't know any of them personally
0: yeah no i i, I don't dig it, uh i don't negate that at all i think that's really interesting to point out maybe there's some sort of uh you know symbol or ritual to that, you know, I definitely can't say I know Alex Jones's intentions or motivations. I've interviewed people that work with them and and they seem to me like you know honest individuals who are concerned with the same things that we are, but That's you know.
2: what I'm saying it felt like he was just frustrated and working his frustration yeah. out through that very facetious kind of interview, yeah, uh. And maybe like yay just sort of like followed in suit a little bit like i'm gonna work through my frustration by just you know saying outright all the things that people are hinting at to as like a therapeutic way
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it, it was definitely shocking and uh i don't know the whole face mask thing didn't give him any credibility uh for for sanity you know points right i mean it just that was over the top it was
2: the face mask and not the the netanyahu <laughs> that did it for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> i didn't even watch it i just saw like other people's takes on it i yeah. i mean maybe that again, was again like like dirty problem,
2: jobs man but... i felt like it was my dirty job to watch that whole thing and, <laughs> and see exactly you know outside yeah. the clips in the context and at least mm-hmm. for that one i could say if you've just seen the clips you don't actually need any more context the the yeah. clips are pretty well, standalone yeah that's
0: relieving yeah i i you know i also i think that's one of the reasons why we enjoy the you know topics like alchemy and and secret societies and whatnot because it it allows us to go into the past where you know you can't really apply contemporary morals to history right we're looking at a bunch of you know people who were probably for the most part racist and uh sexist and and that's because that's that was the particular perception at that time that was dominant right so and know, they were
2: I, literate and they probably had enough money to focus on philosophical pursuits as opposed to like feeding their family and taking but I'm care not, of their parents I'm, and
0: i'm not saying that to like justify any of those um you know negative outlooks i'm just saying like when we talk about people in the past we're not like culpable for their beliefs as much as if we were like to examine Kanye West and you know he's contemporary it's just i don't know i mean maybe this is like sounds like uh, uh wimpish of me but i do i i do feel like uh, uh on the defense with topics like that with having a show like mine i don't want to like lean into something that's so extreme that then i alienate uh a big part of my audience i just want to have a a, a a a fair and open, balanced conversation. And as I say that, I'm like, isn't that Fox News' slogan? But uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's interesting to talk about this stuff, but it definitely borders on the uh, extreme. And I don't know. It's just I feel like that's the danger that Hoffman's kind of pointing at. It's like when you become like these conspiracy pundits who like try to find conspiracy in every latest news story, You almost like fail to overcome that manipulation that's being done to, you know, who you think is not like who you think is being fooled by the news, even though you yourself, not us three, but people who do this type of thing, maybe they're not fooled, but a big part of what they're doing is like, yeah, look what they're hiding from us now. It's, it's like this, uh, self, Conf- you know confirmation uh masturbatory act you know where you're just like you're like getting off on the fact that you know this stuff and everyone else is a sheep you know and i think that
2: the meme with the guy in the corner at the party right? <laughs> yeah
0: and that that ends up like failing us in the long run i think as uh culture like conspiracy theory if we're going to v- validate it and and redeem it at all i think we need to you know bring but some the problem sort of mark the discrimination to it academically speaking
3: i 100 i'm i'm one of the biggest skeptics too that there is but the the issue is when when they know that we're watching out for a lot of these occultic themes within these news stories for example the latest one tate right the, the whole thing with him and his arrest and then the symbolism behind that And the language that the president of the United States uses on a speech of, yeah, we're the new world order is about to come, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but these sort of things where maybe perhaps they want to paint you out to be the schizophrenic person, but there's some validity when it comes to a lot of these theories, because it seems like almost everything is a sort of ritual in some way related to the occult like and that's the that's the problem because it seems like every almost everything is related in some form to a magic yeah, one is know. that
0: is that because everything is inherently occult or is that because it's the the information is being filtered through a lens that is inherently occult i mean the english language yeah. we all know has a sort of occult mm-hmm. foundation to it but then on top of it like the television media internet conglomeration of cables and electric signals and wires and clouds of data like that's all to a certain extent like an egregore yes and and it's full of sigils Mm -hmm. it's full of sigils right so if you're participating in that wavelength you're going to absorb you're going to become uh initiated whether you realize it or not Mm -hmm. so to speak you're you're a fish in the water right (laughs) yeah yeah so Huh. And well, also
3: like that saying, when you have a hammer, what is everything it? Everything becomes a nail. Everything well, becomes a nail, right?
0: Yeah. And that's why I'm like, I say, like, I agree with you, but then I also pose that as a disagreement in the sense that it's like, well, we can, not everything can, it can be a nail. Logically speaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so but yeah, a lot of what gets the most attention has a veil of uh, symbolism to it. Right. And that's what people spend so much time analyzing uh, in this sort of short attention span uh, sectors of conspiracy theory is not to, to put that down as less than because it is interesting and is definitely worthwhile to maybe pull people into a new perspective. But uh, it can also but be a trap. D-
3: But to to add on to this whole thing, because we're talking about symbolism, we're talking about sigils. For example, I have movie posters in the background right now. And you can decipher those and decode those all you want. But we have literally paranoid American comics here. And I've also done a comic book with him. And a lot of the times that we put stuff in these comics, these symbols, they aren't always all the time occultic. We do it just because it's fun. So just because you see that certain uh, symbol there, it doesn't always mean something. But the thing—it's
0: not accidental. It's not like you guys are like cubes are fun. Like you know what a cube means, and you're using it in your comic book.
3: Yes, because there's a story behind it. But
0: yeah,
3: all not all in the the title. (laughs) Yeah, not all the symbolism in it is pertaining to something. Intentionally, yeah, exactly.
0: I get you i think that happens yeah it's like again it's the medium like thomas just said a fish in in the water we're we're uh in the ether we're in the miasma of mysticism and, Mm -hmm. and american culture has been steeped in it from the beginning and the people who created the media and and control the media are definitely aware of a lot of this stuff so Yeah, that's that's why I think we enjoy speaking for myself here, maybe. But I think that's why the three of us enjoy the topics that we get into most often, rather than the more uh, pop topics that are also talked about. But there's been some very important uh, things that have gone on that I, I guess I haven't talked enough about. I mean, the whole deal with Russia and Ukraine is a huge part of what's going on in 2022. I mean, if you look at the wiki for 2022, every month they list some sort of event involving Russia or the Ukraine, almost like they're creating a timeline here uh, for World War III, you know, like this uh, uh, over coverage of this event um, to maybe even, uh, who knows, overshadow what's going on after 2020 and 2021, and the whole oh yeah, let's just forget, a, forgive and forget about all the unnecessary deaths and all the uh, strange, mysterious uh, medical malpractice uh, things that have gone on. Right? Yeah. I mean, trying to skirt around the the certain hot words because I don't know. Maybe we'll put this on YouTube, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. it's it seems like Ukraine and Russia, that whole conflict has taken up the the landscape of the media and maybe they're using that to um you know take the attention away from the the Mm -hmm. genocide i mean really that that was pushed on elderly and overweight people uh with this uh you know jab and and all the other things that have have resulted from that i mean all these very healthy people too. I mean, all the soccer players that collapse mysteriously. It's a coincidence. Celebrities that have passed away, you know, uh, under somewhat mysterious health circumstances. I, I, have, to,
2: I have to interject here. Just, just throw it out here that because anyone that truly believes that there is an international, you know, New World Order planning committee, like Illuminati or some kind of cabal or whatever, <laughs> if you if you truly believe that. And you also believe in blood magic and that those people believe in blood magic, then it only makes sense that it was just a massive global blood magic, you know, sympathetic Oof. magic sort of operation, because once you've got like, you know, basically the world's already owned at this point, right? The explorers have explored. Everyone's planted their flags everywhere uh, except for Antarctica, which apparently we're still fighting over. There's like an opening
3: there, Thomas. There's, There's an, an opening, opening and it goes in. Whoever owns the rest of the outside
2: yeah. of the little ring that we're in. Yeah. yeah. But it's like the same concept where everything's been defined and explored and classified. And now people are just kind of like working their way into the fine little details. Um, but like, what do you do if you're truly at the top and you've got everything and your family has owned everything for the last century or more? Uh, and you've amassed power and you've amassed influence and connections like what other ultimate sort of conclusion could you ever draw from all this if you really believe in like phoenician magic made its way all the way through you know bc almost like neolithic times all the way to modern times to where pizza gates real and blood sacrifice is real and all this is real then what else would you need to not look at this entire pandemic as just a massive blood magic operation where mass sacrifice, I mean the actual word Holocaust was basically just like a sacrifice of a lot of people. Um, And that's kind of what's happened globally.
3: This isn't safe for YouTube anymore, but I'm going to go ahead and say it that I'm not denying, I'm not denying any events took taking place, but I am on board with you, Thomas and I've, I haven't said it yet. On, well, I'm not even rec-
2: saying that that's what happened, but I'm saying that, that that would be the logical conclusion if there were some yes. kind of cabal. I'm not 100. I like, think I like I like going to the scale, right? So if I'm if we're going zero to 100, I think I'm probably at a 50 right now.
3: I think if we're talking alchemically, that that event that happened during World War II was some sort of what if this guy, his name starts with an H. What if he was trying to find a oh philosopher's stone by giving up because what again they put it in this media, the whole full metal alchemist anime that the end it's like, spoiler alert, what does it take to make a philosopher's stone? Oh, a bunch of people. So get I'm not I'm just saying it's and apparently eighty eight is racist. Have you guys do you guys hear about that? 88? Yeah. Wow, okay. Because
0: it it's h 88 Yes,
3: yeah, exactly. So anyways, that I think that's what was going on there. And obviously a lot of people lost their lives. It was horrible. It is horrible. And But I think that's what's going on. If you want to also follow the mainstream narrative well, that he was an occultist.
0: Yeah, well, you know, that's not exactly contemporary to 2022, but I appreciate the info there, Juan. I didn't know that. Um, But in 2022 we had another uh even worse than last year right last year 2021 there was the uh astral world event where a bunch of people were crushed in in a crowd what they're calling a crowd crush i don't know if this is a term that's been used before is that this year or 21 i think it was 21 but there was one in October of 2022. In there, South, there's
2: like some yeah. medical term. It's called like com- compression
0: asphyxiation yeah, I saw or that. something like that. Yeah. yeah you talk about well, the one
3: overseas, right? In like Vietnam or something? South
0: Korea. In yeah. South Korea, there was one in October. But they use the term in the media, uh, crowd crush, which is interesting because it's CC33. Uh I don't know, Thomas. Maybe you can uh, fill us in. <laughs> no on comment that. on Thomas. No. <laughs> I'm, I
2: I only got the thirty-two, so I only uh, know about the CB.
0: Okay, okay, good. Okay, I can it's tell
2: you crazy. about CBD. That's as far as I got. I got the it's CBD, CBD radio. radios. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, great. Well, yeah. So there's this kind of tragic, not to laugh at the people uh, crushed, but yeah, it's it's you know weird that that happened on Halloween in South Korea, and then we have this sort of uh, Halloween-ish. Astro world performance where other people were killed in a similar fashion uh, the year before so and I want to
2: throw I want to throw another little theory out here really quick that instead of I mean blaming the rapper the entertainer um, I mean obviously the venue like if you look into it the venue kind of like had bypassed some security procedures they were supposed to put certain barriers that would prevent that kind of phenomenon and I guess they just didn't put those up and they skipped some of that but let's just let's put all that aside And in a Machiavellian way, like what actually happened? Like who cares about the intent or like who planned what and how it could have changed? Let's look at the actual event and the actual end result of it. And even if all of that was a pure accident and you assume the most benign origins of it, the end result's the same and that end result still has the kind of energy with it and that energy can be harnessed. So even if the theories come out or a group comes out and starts saying like, oh, this happened for this reason just that gaining traction in the sort of global uh you know like mental mind that we all kind of share just like the cultural idea of that being a ritual sacrifice event it almost manifests itself into being this thing that gets perpetuated again kind of like this mythology thing where you know these these theories just take on little extra bits over time and it's almost like this huge kind of snowball effect. And mm. this is just going to be part of it regardless, even if, you know, even if it was real or even if it was just a coincidence, like it's now part of the lore forever, essentially.
0: Mm. Yeah, very interesting. So another thing that uh, came up in 2022, if we're going to just go through the list here, um, there was a few coups. We had in Burkina Faso, which is an African country for people who aren't aware, it's on the, the western portion of Africa. Um, they had two coups this year by an Islamic faction. There's also uh, some anti-coup movements in Sudan uh, based on probably previous years, uh, political strife. And then also more close to us, in Peru, uh, President Pedro Castillo was arrested after he tried to dissolve Congress in a coup attempt, and uh, the vice president, uh, Dina Buillarte, uh succeeded him. So a lot of political upheavals this year. I don't know. Maybe there was more. Uh, we have a, a new leader of the uh, Communist Party in China. Um, xi jinping oh no i'm sorry xi jinping was elected to general secretary of the chinese communist party uh, so this is his third term as the paramount leader of china uh what else happened in world affairs kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan clash <laughs> you guys are like all right we need to hear
2: right? like a a
0: lot of a lot of, of of clashes this year turkey and israel clashed um uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff going on in the world that, oh, yeah. I mean that
2: one in particular Turkey and Israel is like a time as old as as wow. history itself right <laughs> yeah.
0: so, well and then also I they're should... on
2: like the longest running season now they're on like season 3000 or something
0: yeah well in the opposite japan which is usually relatively peaceful uh their former or their prime minister was assassinated i think he was a former <laughs> prime minister at the time but he was assassinated give it while giving a public speech Did you guys hear about this or look into this at all
2: Mm-mm. i heard about it. i didn't look into it too much further i'm, yeah, I'm the paranoid
0: man. american very interesting yeah
3: geopolitics is not my forte because i feel and this is my personal opinion i feel like we have enough issues here in the states to worry about than to be sending out aid in the billions of dollars to other countries when we have people who have literally served our country that are treated like dog shit when they're here
0: Nobody's aiding them. I mean, we're 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 manipulating these governments with our CIA, if anything. But uh,
2: you, you said yeah. a, a peaceful, you know, Japanese is typically like a peaceful people. Mark, I just want to mention that recently, I was I've been doing the most fun research over Christmas break, which I wouldn't recommend to other people. But the origins of human and child sacrifice, in particular, across all cultures. That's... And I figured I had gotten to the end of my list, and I had documented everything. And I was like, you know, I need to start looking into um, like cultures outside of the ones that influenced the West directly. And sure enough, the the earliest records of Japanese civilization mention this concept of a human pillar, where they would kidnap somebody against their will and bury them under the foundation of a certain building, or more typically, it started under bridges because uh, like the waters were violent. The waters were known to kill a lot of people, and they would knock the bridges over. And at some point, uh, like, I don't know the exact origin. I don't know if anyone does, but someone figured, well, we're going to take a person. They, a lady was crossing the bridge with her baby and they kidnapped this lady and they bury her under this pillar and they rebuild the bridge and it had never fallen again after that. But then there was also like these ghosts that would be associated with it. And apparently in like the older concept of Feng Shui incorporated some of this human pillar concept.
1: Uh, so so anyways
2: it is a throwback but it was one of those things where i was like aha finally it wasn't like it wasn't just the europeans and the mesoamericans and the mesopotamians that were into human sacrifice early on like it's at the root of almost every culture and it threw me for a loop because like you know even the buddhists did the very similar thing where they would kidnap someone against their will but it was seen as a good thing because they were kind of reuniting that person back with you know the center
0: Some theories say that maybe the Egyptian, certain Egyptian pharaohs went uh, east and and became, you know, Buddhists to a certain extent. I mean, you have the Tibetan Book of the Dead and the Egyptian Book of the Dead. I mean, that can't be uh, a coincidence, but I'm sure there are other books of the dead. But Peter Jenks, who wrote a book called The Occult, uh, Occult Thailand, he was on my show this year and uh, talked about the same concept in Thai culture where they would sacrifice a person for a building at the center of the city and that would be like the town center. And it would, would, you know, like the, the nature spirits were personified, right? So the river would be a a deity that then this ghost of a human person that they kidnap would be like the stand-in now for that river. And they'll
2: be the protector because, because they were ripped away from this, this physical world, they kind Mm -hmm. of remain longer in that spiritual world to protect that. And what's crazy is I, I found a post in the Singapore subreddit from november of this year where yeah. someone claimed that their dad was working in construction and that in the rural areas they were still doing this and i forgot yeah. the exact name but like that's it's still peter, happening to this day
0: yeah that's what peter said about thailand that in certain parts of thailand they still do it and you know in the more urban areas they just have more like a ceremonial. Uh, stand exactly. in like somebody who's recently passed for whatever reason
2: like so like bohemian grove apparently has uh, you know like the the stand-in dummy right man. like the cremation of care is is the wicker man you know it's a it's and an that, effigy and not the real thing
0: and that goes all back to where we kind of started with the secret societies uh, and psychological warfare with michael hoffman who you know at the end here Has at the final page of text on in his book, uh, the wicker man, and how that word is connected to this whole uh, type of. Uh, Wicca, Wicker w- to bend, you know the word wick, uh Wicca, wizard. They all have that same root meaning, uh, and you know it's sort of like bending reality. They're bending reality, and and maybe that has something to do with these sacrifices and and giving people over to the other world to affect things in this world.
2: What's interesting too is uh this this is going out of twenty twenty. But it it links back in on this exact topic. But one of the original reasons that Carthage was founded right the Carthage from the Bible um, is that uh, the Phoenicians essentially wanted a place where they could go and practice these wild, um, you know, sacrifice rituals, because in their mind, things had kind of you know all gone to hell because they were starting to do too much stand-ins they were doing too many effigies and they were buying sick babies that were already going to be dead anyways from the poor families and then offering those up and the phoenicians were sort of saying like no you know god wants like our prime offerings he wants like the, the children of noble class um so they they actually founded it and became this whole entire state religion and then over time, you know, the Romans see this, the Israelites see this, and they're like, whoa, you guys are like way too crazy right now. You know, we're, we're doing everything symbolically over here. You guys can't be doing it literally. So it <laughs> sort of like dissipates. But there might be, you know, if history is cyclical, there might actually be some another ruling class that's like, you know, we're going to go and find our own city. Maybe we'll go and put it on an island and we'll call it Little St. James or something. And we'll just like, we'll keep doing our own Phoenician magic and uh, mm. in like in a public way, in a in a literal way, outside of the view of all these plebs that are, you know, forcing those idiots of Bohemian Grove to just do the stupid effigy stuff. Like that's not even working, and that's why your political power is waning because you've used this substitution, and the gods are not favorable towards substitutions. Mm.
0: Well, and this enters, you know. Another synchronicity this year that was like one going into all this old world stuff, meeting Dr. Narco and and this whole connection. I mean, I definitely believe that there are groups of maybe European nobles who came to the so-called new world and and maybe became these like phoenician giants that they saw off the coasts of florida these like pale-skinned uh giants who were cannibals you know like who knows maybe that devolved into into that but we also have the story of prince madoc who you know came to the new world and uh left behind some of his welsh followers and and their descendants and that became this Mandean tribe that people saw in the you know wild west days during the westward expansion they saw this Mandean tribe and they're like these indians look pretty white to to me and they had all these words that were similar to Welsh words and they had this story of Prince Madoc and you know uh, I talked to a guy named uh Rick Osman who has a book about that this year he was very interesting to talk to but uh yeah, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are little enclaves of of Phoenicians or whoever else that came to the new world. I mean, we have towns in my state like canaan and new canaan where some of the wealthiest people live and what is canaan canaanites right i mean it's it's and
2: and to add more credit to that what is what is canaan other than samaria and a bunch of other areas and then what was samaria other than like an amalgamation of like a hundred different little Tribes Mm. And those tribes, some of them were as small as 30 people, and they still have historical record to this day because they had their own gods and they fought. So, you know, when a city, like literally an entire tribe of 50 people take on a group of 30 and they, you know, kill 20 and enslave the 10 that are remaining. Now, all of a sudden they're, you know, 70 big or they're 60 big. Um, but i mean if if you kind of zoom out and, and apply that to the wild west that you're talking about it would have been you know not completely out of the realm that explorers would find a small tribe of 30 people that were literally the only 30 people left of that particular tribe and yeah. once they kill them they're gone forever and if there was no record taken and unfortunately a lot of native americans didn't have a lot of written record it was all almost you know all vocal and storytelling mm-hmm. then it just they just vanished forever essentially
0: yeah or or You know, blended with other bigger groups, than, you know, and they kind of lost the. Yeah, I guess, yeah, energy can't be created
2: or destroyed. And I think that applies to culture in some ways, too. I mean, especially.
0: When you look at like all the pirates and the seafaring culture, I mean that wasn't exclusive to Florida. That was all along the East Coast. You have all these stories of pirates and like a lot of those pirates, you know, they they get mythologized <laughs> turned to folklore. You know, we remember like the characters like Captain Kidd and and Blackbeard and all these other, but there were like whole groups of pirates that like were essentially, you know, companies or nations, you know, the what we would think of as a corporation now technically it would be what these pirates were doing so yeah i mean who knows what kind of uh power center could have uh, planted itself in that type of uh very uh intangible community right like a a, a nation at sea like that's what just maxwell was obsessed with uh, and you have to wonder why you know maybe she didn't come up that with phoenician that phoenician link herself. i, I... I really yeah.
2: feel strongly it's that phoenician she was one thing that jordan maxwell would you didn't go know
0: on about like. her terramar project
2: no is that yeah, like
3: some has, it, it sounds like
0: scientology
3: too where they were with the ships and all this uh, stuff right
0: well yeah scientology did this to avert taxes they thought mm-hmm. they would live on the sea and and have like a, a ocean nation and Elron hubbard lived a, a lot of his life at sea but um no Ghislaine Maxwell created the Terramar Foundation, which was an idea of creating this like sea colony of people, you know, on ships and yachts, specifically yachts, you know, the wealthiest of the wealthy in this sort of tax haven that had some sort of governmental body that it could use as an authority you know that was her dream or whatever plan but she had a submarine license too so it's like not that it's it's not really that far fetched to think that maybe she had already participated in it rather than it just being like some idea that was yet to transpire maybe there is a a group like that that's already functioning that she was just trying to like create an offshoot of or a, a, a mimic in a way right like with this terramar thing and it only came to the public because of her other you know uh, things that she was wrapped up in that maybe the, these naval hidden yeah you know, fr- what do they call them uh breakaway civilizations maybe we just don't know about them because they're they're in international waters and they can't break laws you right? make
3: you blowing my mind right now because that plays into the whole the cross of Hendai that that i covered recently were inscribed on there fulconily talked about a place that's Indestructible of this of this coming apocalypse, and also if you have you have the World War II link in there with Operation High Jump, where they literally bragged about this impenetrable fortress that they had c- uncovered supposedly in the ice or something. One of I think it was Admiral Donuts or something like that. The guy's name it was a re- really weird name, and they talked about that the Führer was in this in this you mean fortress. Admiral Bird no not admiral Byrd. The, there was another guy that bragged about he was like this this famous advisor for the h-man and he bragged about i'll find the quote but he bragged about how they found this impenetrable fortress in the ice and that was the whole thing with what happened to all the after world war ii what happened to a whole a, a large population of them Did they go to south america did they go into hollow earth or did they go into this other realm how you're talking about because this is something that the elites, this New Atlantis utopia type of thing that the elites are obsessed with, it just makes you think. I mean, it's and really when interesting.
0: Say, when you say other realm, that, I don't know if you think that I'm saying that. I'm saying people that live on boats. I mean, I well, I can put two and two. No, together I'm talking about other dimensions, bro. Boat, right? In order to in order to join the the
2: Gisling Maxwell Yacht Club, right? You have to you have to at least pay a certain amount and know the right people. So yeah. once you're in there, that's the the exoteric. Once you get into the club and you park your little yacht, because lanes at the end of the dock, and she's like, "Hey, check this out! I got my submarine license." Pop in, you pop in the submarine. She takes you straight down, and then, bam, it's like you know the Disney uh, cartoon date. Atlantis.
3: Yes, you know? a portal, bro. Exactly, and we know about. Like,
2: you're you're not buying yourself into the yacht club. You're buying yourself into the connections at the yacht club and submarine ride into another land
0: yeah these underwater bases or maybe yeah even like the hollow earth or or something more fantastical than I that. Mean if,
2: if there was someone on the, the planet that would know about the entrance to and from it would probably be you know massad connected <laughs> i would assume yeah. so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. like as we talk about because you're talking about mark about like The whole hidden history, well, there's the argument to where was Atlantis? Was Atlantis a real place? Was the Garden of Eden a real place? So you have all these mythological places. Are they mythology? Are they... Or are they something else? Are they? And when I say realm, that's why I said realm because I'm thinking interdimensional, bro. Once you go underwater, like that that movie with the with the then the Pacific Rim, where it was like a portal at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, and these things are coming through. That I'm, my mind directly goes to interdimensional and, and and occult when it comes to these elites, because again, that's what they're about. And I think that's everything else that they're linked to. I think goes back to that. And the the Tate situation as of recently. It's just more evidence that it's still large and in charge and this is still on people's psyche, this idea of these rings,
0: if you catch my drift.
2: What and I wanna throw I want to throw an analogy out here too. Sorry, go ahead, Mark.
0: Well, I'm just asking one what Tate has to do with the like rings, like groups of circle, like people, you mean like secret groups by that?
3: So the his uh, the allegations against him of the the trafficking of of people. Oh,
0: okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay, all right. I didn't, I like gonna, a
2: like a Sololinsky right. sort of rules for radicals way, like uh, like accuse those of what you're doing. To throw Ex- the off of you. Exactly,
3: exactly, because these are guys that come off like that's like why are you coming off so? Usually, like the the guys who are super homophobic and they end up being like in the closet gays type of thing. That's what I'm getting. Is like if you bash that <laughs> so much and he's like. Are you, you know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've met people like that before. Like The, the oh.
2: Shakespearean quote is what it's uh the lady doth protest too much.
3: <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying though? Exactly what you said, Thomas, of like criticize those, but you're actually doing and you're projecting, you know, that's your but, way of and hoping. I wanted,
2: to, I wanted to throw an algae out here too. Cause like when we talk about uh like Terra Nova or, if, or even if we were just going to say like Atlantis or Illuminati or something. I liken it to Disney right so like here, here's an example of three different perspectives the same way that if I said Atlantis to three different people so if you at Wanna, well, you have to tell one of your kids hey what's Disney right Disney World what is Disney World and just have them explain it they're probably not going to start talking about concrete and blueprints and prices and Lines and stuff. They're talking about like the feelings and like the stories that go behind it. Like, none of it's really going to be real, right? It's all going to be fantasy, but you're going to know the stitch between that. Well, like, actually, fan- Disney's a corporation. It was founded by a guy and it's like on this leased property and they charge you for tickets and they upsell by 300% on the concession. Like, you know that part. And then if you ask me about Disney, like, I know about the back, you know, going and to work for there and like sitting in the office and having to deal with the corporate structure. So to like the three of us, Disney means three completely different things, but it's still the one thing. Like we're all still talking about the same thing from wildly different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And it's not that your kid is wrong. It's just that your kid is like attached to that, the, like a the different product of Disney level like, of reality what Disney yeah. makes and what, like where they make their money and they spread their influence. That's what your kid knows about. And then you know you know you can see the two different connections between those and a, and I feel like there's an aspect of that to Atlantis where there's someone that's like ah oh, fucking Atlantis you know I got to clean the garbage out of that place every other <laughs> Friday I hate it it's the worst traffic getting there you know I got to go through the Mariana Trench and that place is a nightmare at rush hour so like there's someone out there that knows it so intimately that they're not even enamored by it anymore and then there's probably someone that knows like oh well atlantis isn't really this fantastical place made of crystals and you can just teleport from one place to the other and advance technology but it is a place and here's where it is you know here's the boring version of it that's kind of your like you explaining disney to your kid would be the boring version of it right Mm. like here's the practical version but a lot of people never want to leave that childlike wonder phase like they always want to believe that disney is magic and miracles and princesses and they never want to you know analyze it to the aspect of like oh this is actually a corporation set up to just directly profit at any cost
0: yeah well that's that's a stark sh- sh- reality that a lot of us come to realize as the disney uh youth nostalgia wears thin and and peels away and you see that it was a thing it video. doesn't
2: happen to everyone though it seems like some people stay
0: yeah it's like Yeah, Yeah. enamored by Disney for life. Mm -hmm. Just they just haven't seen they. They're just not willing to look. (laughs) You know they 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 they've been sufficiently entrained to love what you know what they've been shown. You know it's not Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, well, it's I mean it's not it's Stockholm syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) It could be interpreted that way, sure, but you know, uh, kind of come into a close here. Uh, I hinted at maybe giving our audience uh, our our top episode, or or maybe in Thomas's case, uh, considering the occult book club, your favorite book that you've covered uh, this year in 2022. Really, anything that you guys would like to to say to to put uh, cherry on top, so to speak. I mean, I think it'd be nice to give a shout out to a few of the top listen to episodes uh from the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast because i always appreciate you know those guests like yourself Juan and thomas who uh bring in a lot of people you know people want to hear what you guys have to say so i'm always grateful that you guys have time to share with me here on the show and everybody else who's joined me in 2022 uh we had some really great interviews this year so uh, but yeah, before I ramble on, one, Thomas, any uh, final thoughts or or top uh, yeah. three, top one?
3: Yeah, so definitely a cult book club number eight, the books of Enoch, deciphering scripture, and what's the last piece? And the secrets to ascension. I think that one I got really good feedback. That's one of the more latest episodes. And my latest episode. Number 125, the occult secrets of the North Pole and Santa Claus. I've gotten a ton of messages on that. And that's gotten a ton of, of views on YouTube and downloads. And I just I feel like every episode people will be like, This is this is the best episode thus far. This is the best one. And then I come out with another one next week. Like, no, no, this, this is the one. So I feel like I'm always upping the bar and the ante every single episode. But yeah, if you want to check it out, I think that those the occult book club number eight, I mean, that was mind blowing. There was stuff set on there that was crazy. That's with Esoteric Eddie, Dr. Joseph Lumpkin, and Paranoid American here. And we went hard in the paint on that one. And yeah, number 125. And I think I've read maybe this year. I want to say I've read... I don't know because I read so much. I don't know if that counts as a book, but like officially read books. I think I read like 10 books or so. And then numerous articles and journals after that and just miscellaneous research. But like actually entire books on their own probably about 10 i want to say solid like finished from cover to cover and the rest was just like miscellaneous information and excerpts from here and there on different articles and journals and and things like that but if you want to check those out those are awesome and i love all my guests i don't want to put anybody higher than anybody else but it's All about a vibe, man. You know, some episodes slap better than others on certain weeks, just how you're feeling. Mm. <laughs> I don't
2: mm. know how to describe it. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta shout out the uh, Coke Book Club number five again, which was the uh, the Benjamin Paul Blood, and and right. it was on the anesthetic revelation and the gist of philosophy, which kind of explains that concept, you know. Um, the he the anesthetic revelation is I was coming down off of an intense high <laughs> off of nitrous. And the gist of philosophy was like, and for a split second I understood the Hegelian dialectic for the first time, and then it just evaporated. And, you know, chasing that high, I just I couldn't come up with a better analogy of how sometimes this kind of this world works where you're reading something and you feel that like something clicked for the first time and it really does feel like it's you know it's it's probably a literal rush of dopamine but it's it feels that you're you're getting a dopamine just from learning information and i couldn't imagine a better way to like keep getting high over and over again is just keep learning new things and keep putting you know pieces together in, in different ways so that was kind of my favorite one and it's also a book that i don't think anyone would ever even pick up or look twice at uh if If there wasn't someone kind of ranting about it and pointing out the cool aspects of it,,
0: mm. Mm. yeah, I had never heard of that before, so I need to check that out I'll probably start by listening to that episode. uh I agree with what you said, Juan uh you know, not singling any one guest out, I will say you know, uh, my biggest episode in twenty twenty two was obviously with David Ike in uh March you know, almost 20,000 downloads on that episode alone, which is far above a lot of the other episodes that I've done, which is really cool. But it's also kind of weird because, you know, that means that a bunch of people uh, listen to that episode and and no other episodes of my show. So, hey, David Ike fans, come back. Uh, But anyways, uh, I've had a bunch of really great Episodes and uh, maybe it was something... just an
2: extra twenty thousand FBI agents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right. That's is ten thousand bots come uh, back. They're like, all right, we're here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, not them, but uh you know, I'll, I'll point out maybe a few episodes that people slept on that didn't get as many listens as as others. I I would say a few of our Illuminati confirmed episodes. uh People should go back and listen to, especially our interview with Reverend Ivan Stang. I mean, for the human aspect alone it was just a funny conversation and even if you're not interested in the whole discordianism stuff that will come up again on the show in the future i plan on talking about discordians and and getting into their history they're very weird and actually kind of a, a part of loosely a part of the podcast uh community in a way so um yeah i thought that was kind of very relevant to talk to him and then uh, my friend Al, Forum Borealis, met him this year. That was a great episode. I've, I've talked to him a bunch since. Uh, Freddie Silva was another great interview. Even though it was only an hour long, he was great. So if people haven't listened to those, and, and Peter Jenks, who I mentioned uh, earlier, the guy who wrote the book about Thailand, uh, Thailand's occult aspects, a bunch of great conversations with Chris Knowles, I think two or three, but yeah so many people i mean every episode has been great i had thomas uh, along with shane golden on at one point uh, i still have to have one on uh, to to break down the homunculus uh in full force but we'll plan that one for for 2023 and and yeah shout out to everybody else who you know was on the show if you happen to be listening to this i appreciate uh any guest who Mm-hmm. also listens to the show. That's always cool when, when people say, Oh yeah, I love your show. I'm like, Whoa, really? You're you, you go on podcasts that you listen to. Like I thought <laughs> I, I was the only one who did that. Uh, but yeah, so very cool year for the show uh thomas Juan, i look forward to more episodes with you in 2023 uh, i feel like we should do some sort of uh alchemical or occult philosophorum i used to do a show called mm-hmm. the elemental philosophorum where we just talked about more sciencey stuff but maybe we meet once a month and talk about the occult philosophies that we've been sifting through that month, you know, cause Please, we man. many of us have uh unique perspectives on this stuff. And uh, it'd be cool to, to make it a regular occurrence. I know the audience would certainly appreciate that. So, all right, dudes, any final words before we close this episode out? Happy new year. And I love you guys.
3: I love you too, Thomas. You don't even know how much bro you know what <laughs> yeah now for all oh, th- this has been a great year and 2023 i think is going to be even crazier and it's going to be big it's going to be huge can get canceled. to be you. No, I don't. Not get canceled. But I feel like I think things Let's are really going to take. It's it's yeah. starting to it's starting to really warm up. Like right now, it's like there's like there's a storm brewing, and it's really just going to come full force 2023. And hopefully, <laughs> yeah. I just I appreciate everybody that listens. And my show has experienced uh, substantial growth this year, and I feel like I'm only getting started. So yeah, thank you guys for for listening. I was going to be on my feet as well. Love you all. And I love you guys too. And yeah, we should definitely do that. I like that name, the, uh, cult That sounds really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And I love you both too. And everyone listening, the love is extended to you all. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Twenty twenty-three. We didn't really get into any predictions. Juan just gave you his prediction. I'm predicting uh sunny skies and warm weather as we leave this uh mini ice age, as Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson calls it. I'm expecting more uh tropical storms, hurricanes, and uh warm weather. Bro, why
3: are you sending that
0: shit over here? No, no. <laughs> hey, we get hurricanes in Connecticut too, brother. I, I live through Hurricane Sandy. I mean, I, I know what it's like. Don't worry, I'm not trying. Trying to call him on i'm just per- making a prediction that will probably be uh, affirmed because it's a pretty open and general prediction Thomas, any predictions before we wrap up
2: i want to leave it on a positive note so i'm not <laughs> going to leave my prediction out there but i'll say it's, oh, it's ai related and it's not fun
0: well <laughs> tune into the occult book club to hear maybe thomas's <laughs> prediction in real time as it unfolds. everything's
2: going to be great i'm sure everything's going fine everything's fine mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Look at any of the charts,
2: we're we're all on the up and up on every metric. Don't even worry about it. I have the
0: same optimism. Uh, we are not blissfully ignorant. We are well aware of what's to come, folks, but we are a part of that 100th uh, monkey effect, right? So let's steer towards the optimistic, uh, like Thomas said. And until next year, folks, immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are, in the now, whatever party you happen to find yourself at this uh, New Year's. And uh, uh, we love you. Thanks for tuning into our shows. Peace. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and that is 2022, our final episode of the year, a bonus show with two friends, Juan and Thomas, Juan of the One on One podcast, and Thomas of Paranoid American. They both do a show together called The Occult Book Club. Um, And that's it for me, folks. I mean, we've got so much more to come in 2023. I've only just begun planning it. I've had my head uh, deep in research for the past few months. And uh, I'm excited to take a break and learn a little bit about some different stuff from different guests. But to review, we've had some amazing guests this year from David Icke to Michael Hoffman, Chris Knowles. Everyone else in between. Those are just two, three uh, three guests that really made an impact on me. Um, Some very popular episodes are with guests like Crow777, who we'll be having back on the show. Uh, His show was one of our top-ranked episodes this year. Um, A lot of great people. It's hard to to go through because there's been so many people that I'd just be... Inevitably leaving people out. So, shout out to everybody who's been on my show and has happened, and it happens to be listening to this. And a shout out to everyone who's kept up with the show and maybe even to the rare few who have listened to every episode. If you've done that, I really appreciate you. And I'd like to know what you think of the show so far. Uh, get in touch with us on Telegram, support us on patreon rockfin with a one-time donation you can also buy merch all the links to that are in the description we have a a store that you can go to to pick up some some art some handmade stuff by yours truly and even some articles and books i've written not full books but short books booklets that i've written on uh, ko-fi and now articles on my Substack, So that's the usual place to go. Really appreciate everyone who's been listening. And I hope you have a final great finale to your 2022 and a really awesome 2023. I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but, uh, but that's all right. And shout out to all the people in the future who are listening to this episode. Uh, whenever you happen to be listening to this. Thank you for tuning into this show. I'm Mystic Mark, and I hope you immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now. Peace.
4: I'm a little extra terrestrial, trying to stay human and a full of professionals. But I confess too much off of the tongue All my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young Hobby saying shit and they don't know where it's coming from In like a hundred years we went bomb with guns Check the facts, check the fed, check the stars Stanley Mines was murked for a water fuel cell car They each they own you can stick with your own ways But eat the rich and drink the motherfucking Kool-Aid And I can see the red on your lip stain White skin, blue collops, you're American made Fuck it you can keep your blood so tear And run the soul off the moon landed narrative. Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing. My folks think I'm nuts, but never question the parenting. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kinda hazy. Good morning, the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pap thinks I'm un-American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily could tell me that the president's an ape and it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. Baby, baby, baby. My family. You might think that I'm off in the deep end. One too many Netflix docs on the weekends, but check the budget for a military defense. Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason. Steel beams, another 1492. And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue, and you be lit off the floor, and ain't got a clue. All your dreams just shit on the Rockefeller shoes. Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said. Ain't one brick left to go up in the Fed. They still got bricks of cocaine to make crap. Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack. Talking like this, got kin talking behind backs Too much to unpack, so they talk smack And I'm just trying to converse with my clan But it ain't fan. so I'm here setting up can. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots, but it's all kind of hazy I'm on the internet feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pack thinks I'm un-American and shady Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an alien It wouldn't phase me my family thinks I'm crazy. Baby, baby, baby. My family thinks I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Just maybe. Stuck in bed so my boss thinks me, I'm lazy. Connecting dots with it's all kind of so hazy. Crazy. I'm on the end feeling like I'm baby, dead Tracy. My dad thinks I'm under marriage baby. and it's shady. I'm Thank, feeling unhinged lately The counters of the fifth kind things on same place so You can tell me make, that the president's an atheist it wouldn't faze me lady lady. Lady. Maybe. Maybe. My family Maybe. thinks I'm crazy Yeah I think one thing I've learned is You can't rule anything out So, you yeah. know